if you would be kind enough to turn your Bible with me to Joel chapter 2, which stands for the reading of the word, Joel chapter 2, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess. A day of clouds and thick darkness, like the morning clouds spread over the mountains, a people come, great and strong, the like of whom has never been, nor will there ever be any such after them. Even for many successive generations, a fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them a desolate wilderness, Surely nothing shall escape them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses. Like swift steeds, steeds, so they run. With a noise like chariots, over the mountains they leap, mountain tops they leap. Like the noise of, flaming, of a flaming fire that devours a stubble. Like a strong people set in battle arrear. Before them the people race in pain. All faces are drained of color. They run like mighty men. They climb the wall like men of war. Everyone marches in formation, and they do not break ranks. They do not push one another. Everyone marches in his own column. Though they launch between the weapons, they are not cut down. They run to and fro in the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses, they enter at the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them, the heavens tremble, the sun and moon grow dark, and the stars diminish their brightness. The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. But the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord, your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assembly the elders. Gather the children and nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber, and let the bride from her dressing room. Let the priest who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach. That the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Then the Lord will be zealous for his land and pity his people. 
The Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied by them. I will no longer make your approach a reproach among the nations, but I remove far from you the northern horn, and I'll drive him away into barren and desolate land, with his face towards the eastern sea and his back towards the western sea. His tents will come up, and his foul order will rise, because he has done monstrous things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beast of the field, for the open pastures are springing up, and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For has given you the former rain faithfully, and will cause the rain to come down to you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floor shall be full of rain to come down. The former rain and latter rain. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten the crawling locusts, the consuming locusts, and the chewing locusts, my great army, which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, young men shall see visions, and also on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens, in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank God. Our precious Heavenly Father, we worship you this morning. And uh, no other name but in the name of our Lord. We are so thankful that you gave a promise and you fulfilled it. And today as your children, we are depending upon that spirit that you poured out on that Pentecostal day. We pray today for a new refreshing, a fresh anointing. Lord, a new filling of your Holy Spirit, a new empowerment, Lord, so that we will be able to finish the work before your return. God, we are so thankful this morning that we can join with the, in the scriptures and be glad. Help us, oh God, to give ourselves to you, to walk in the Spirit and to live with you in the Spirit. Oh, God, we ask you to 
help us to surrender everything to you and that the Spirit will take, take our lives and transform it according to your will and purpose. We ask your blessing upon this day. We pray for your anointing and the Pentecostal move of the Holy Spirit in this place today and beyond. Oh God, may we, Lord, experience that which was experienced in that upper room. Lord, let the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, Lord, fall upon us anew and refresh us Oh, with, with your anointing. And fill us anew, Lord, with the oil of heaven. So that our hearts be further transformed into your likeness and into your image. Walk with us today. Anoint the word. Anoint the, the songs and the praise of worship this afternoon. And may we feel the essence of the Holy Spirit as we lift up our hearts in worship to you today. And Lord, if, if you do this for us, Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the honor and the praise and the glory that duly belongs to you. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. All right, thank the Lord. I, I didn't come here to preach this morning. But it is, it's been my privilege the last several weeks to minister to the church, and I, I feel humble for the stand before you each Sunday and I just so appreciative of our pastor who gives this opportunity and I wanted to take this time to just say to welcome him back to his pulpit. And so while John the Baptist says I must decrease, you must increase. So welcome pastor and we're glad to have you on Let's give him a nice round of applause. Welcome our pastor back. It's nice to be home. Well, how did Dorothy put it? There's no place like home. Praise the living God. Thank you, Reverend. Would you give the man of God self-appreciation? The only comfort that I've had over these past three weeks is knowing that you were in the very and anointed hands of this brother and I appreciate that. You don't know what it means and Brother Leslie knows what I'm talking about. You're always concerned about your pulpit when you're not there. You guard your pulpit jealously. You're very careful, not because you think it's you're the only one who knows how to preach, although I've met a couple of preachers like that, but because you want only the pure, unadulterated Word of God to come from the pulpit. And so I, I'm very particular, very choosy. Uh, I know some churches, they have a guest speaker every week, and that's how they want to do it, and that's praise God, and I'm sure there's, God uses that, but I'm very particular because I have to know you. I have to know what you preach. I have to know that you stand on the Word of God but without compromise, without an agenda other 
than the agenda of the kingdom. And uh, I'm just so blessed to have this very anointed man of God here to be used. And uh, I'm going to make a point of giving him more opportunities, not too many. I, I, I like my pulpit. Uh, if I let him go on too long, you might vote me out and vote him in. So we want to be careful there. No, I, I, I trust him. I'll tell you what, I missed you. I did. I miss being here. It was wonderful to listen. I tuned in every Sunday, listening. Good messages. Appreciated the word. Hebrews chapter 11. I tell you, I could have let him go on for another six months there. There's just, But there's nothing like being here. Seeing all your beautiful faces. I appreciate so much your words of comfort and encouragement over these past few weeks. I was locked up in the COVID jail. Uh, It's not quite a Peter and angel uh, setting him free moment, but I feel liberated. (laughs) I feel liberated. You You don't know the power of presence. Just being able to come out and be with the people of God has already raised my spirit up today from from uh, where it was before, and uh, and you know I, I just there's nothing like it. I don't take this for granted at all. Thank you so much for your prayers. Uh, I, I can honestly say. If mine is the only experience to go by, which it's certainly not, you know, it wasn't all that bad. There's a little, a little aches and pains, fatigue, nausea, the kind of things you get when you get the flu. But uh, thank God, no, I didn't have to go to no uh, emergency room. Didn't have to get any special treatment. Just uh, stayed home, stayed out, of, tried to stay out of my wife's way as much as I possibly could. Not always easy, but, uh, you know, the Lord saw us through it. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And uh, I do want to thank you all for the words of encouragement, the comments, the text messages, the calls, the Facebook posts. I appreciate it all. I really do. It it means a lot when you're stuck uh, by yourself on the Isle of Patmos. You're stuck. You appreciate the word. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles this morning, and I know my it's going to take a while for my full wind to come back and my full strength to come back, so this may not be, this will be a Pentecostal message, even if it doesn't sound Pentecostal, in the Pentecostal way, uh, but while you're opening your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, I do want to uh, thank you all also for your continued support, for your giving. Uh, I appreciate your your willingness to continue to support the ministry here at Lighthouse. And uh, if you'd like to give today, you can do it in all of the customary ways. We have the website. We have the box on the back. Uh, however, whatever God lays on your heart to give, I give you thanks, and I appreciate you for it. I also want to give a word of appreciation to all the others who chipped in, um, wasn't just me out, my whole family was out, uh, you know, we were, we were virus central for a couple of weeks there at the old parsonage, and everyone who chipped in kept the wheels turning, uh, 
kept the ministry going. I appreciate that so very much. Uh, do be on the prayer call this afternoon at 5.30. Do call in Wednesday nights for our Bible studies. Do call in Wednesdays at 12 with your prayer requests. And to join in praying for those who still are sick, still are dealing with various uh, griefs and sorrows and burdens. And be back next Sunday for Sunday school and morning worship. If that is uh, all, is there no other announcements, nothing else going on, we'll read the Word of God this morning. Just going to read one verse for you today. I think you, I think you know what this day is all about. Yeah. Brother Walcott knows. You can tell by his coat. Today is, today is all about the red. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. But Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word. Let's bow our heads together. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the spirit of God. We pray today that both the Word and the Spirit would come into agreement in our presence today. That the anointing of this inspired testimony, these words of our Lord Jesus Christ Himself, let these words come alive in our hearts and minds today. Let this Word go forth in the Spirit and in the power of Pentecost that it accomplish the purposes for which you have ordained, that it be preserved and continued and passed on to each and every generation. Let your word take root and let it bear fruit. We ask this in Jesus' name. All agree. Amen. I'm going to do that trick today of talking about the who the what, the when, the why, and the where. What is Pentecost all about? Uh, let me get a testimony. Are there Pentecostals in this house today? Amen. Hallelujah. What makes us Pentecostal? I know it's not just about the shout, although that's a big part of being Pentecostal. You're not, you're not, you're not really fully Pentecostal to you. Get the shout. Amen. Hallelujah. Pentecostal is all about the volume in, in, in some way, in some ways. It's about the enthusiasm. It's about the energy that comes from the dynamic living presence of God the Spirit indwelling and infilling each and every one of us today. It's about, to some, it's about signs and wonders and gifts and fruits and all of these wonderful manifestations of, of power. And, and, and I, I tell you what, there's nothing. When you see the Holy Spirit begin to move, when you begin to see the gifts of the Holy Spirit manifest themselves and, and the words and the, and the power that's let loose, I tell you, it's, it's, it's such a powerful experience. It's transformative. It's life-changing 
to be in the presence of God, the Spirit. People used to have to travel hundreds of miles some, in some cases to go to a, a temple that uh, uh, for, 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 for many centuries was devoid of the presence of God. They had the structure. They had the beautiful ornamentation. Remember the story of Jesus and his disciples as they were passing through the courts of the temple. How the disciples were pointing out to Christ all the beautiful buildings, all the impressive statuary. I tell you, I was, <clears throat> I was confined for several weeks, and boy, I tell you what, you don't know what boredom is until you've got about a 10 by 12 room as your, as your, uh, as your confined space. And you start looking for a lot of things to do. Uh, it's hard to, I, I can't watch that much television. I'm just not built for that. So I, I had my books out, I had my computer out, and one of the things I did a couple of days was I took some virtual tours. You might know what a, you see one of these virtual tour things where uh, you can't physically go to the museum or you can't physically go to the place, but you can tour it to, on your computer. And I, I went through some of the great uh, cathedrals and, and, and some of the great uh, church edifices over in Rome and, and in Germany and in England and Westminster Abbey and all these kind of places. And, and I tell you, it was just a marvel of the architecture. I marveled at the beauty of the form. But what is good? What good is the form? What good is the building if the one who is supposed to indwell the building is not there? For centuries they had this beautiful temple, but as, as Jesus pointed out, not one stone of that temple remains left upon the other to this day. And yet on this day, this Pentecost Sunday, we celebrate the return of the God of this temple to his dwelling place, his people and his church. Hallelujah. Pentecost Sunday special. It's one of those landmarks. It's like the cross and the empty tomb, the upper room, takes its place as this, uh, as this demarcation of time and space where everything changed. What ended on the cross, what was born again and renewed in the empty tomb, has been established and has been brought into our own hearts and minds by the day of Pentecost. <coughs> it is here that I want to take you through this eighth verse, this critical Pentecost verse, so that we understand what this day is all about. First, we deal with the who. The who is the Holy Spirit. This is simply not about a good church service. This is not simply about a day where a couple of things happen that we commemorate. But this is the coming of the Holy Spirit. God the Spirit. God the third person. The personal Spirit of God coming Himself. Not through an intermediator. Not through some intermediary person. Not through some angel. Not through some preacher or prophet. But God Himself coming in the form of the Spirit. 
to live and dwell in the midst of His people. The Holy Spirit is not a force. It's not an energy. It's not the the collective will of the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is a personal, individual, divine being. He is God Himself in spirit form. The omniscient, the omnipotent, the omnipresent, sovereign God of creation, God of salvation, God the Spirit. We take His presence too lightly, I think, at times. I'm not one of these formalists. You know, I, I, I like to keep things a little on the casual side. We don't go through much ritual. We don't go through much ceremony. Not in comparison to others. But oh, there needs to be a significant improvement in our understanding that when the Holy Spirit is present, we are in the presence of the Almighty God. We need to understand that better, I think. We take it so lightly at times. We treat the Holy Spirit as some sort of uh, almost a party organizer, you know? And not understanding that it is not us who use the Holy Spirit, but it is the Holy Spirit who uses us as His instruments. He's in charge. He is the sovereign God. He is the will of God and the work of God made manifest. It is not for us to bend Him to our will, but it is for us to submit to His will. It is not for you to choose Him, but it is for Him to choose you and you to submit to His choice. The who is important, but so is the what. The what of Pentecost is the power. We sang about the power. We sang about the power of the blood of Christ. We sang about the power of the Holy Ghost. But do we understand what this power is? Do we really understand what it means to be empowered, to receive power from on high? As I survey the condition of the Church of America today in 2021, I see a church that is in desperate need of power. I'm reminded of, you know, as I was growing up, you know, the uh, popular show Star Trek. And at least uh, I know some of you are almost as old as I am. You remember Captain Kirk? You remember Mr. Spock? Amen. And I would remember at least once an episode, maybe more than once an episode, Captain Kirk would call down to Mr. Scott in the, in the engineering room, and he'd say, Mr. Scott, we need more power. Come on. You remember Mr. Scott, right? And that Scottish voice, I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. You know, that guy? I tell you, today, the church of Jesus Christ needs more power. We have got the Word of God, but we are so weak. I, I don't know. I can't remember a time. And I'm church of God. I'm fourth generation Pentecostal. 
I go back to great-grandma. Hallelujah. If you've got a Pentecostal heritage, thank God for it. It's a great blessing. doesn't make me a better Pentecostal than those who come in now. But, you know, I'm appreciative of having that heritage of four generations of testimony of the power of the Holy Ghost in my family and, and, and passing that on to my children and passing it on to, 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 to all the future generations is a, a very high priority. But as I think back to some of the stories I grew up listening to, the things I saw as a child, the things I saw as a young minister, the moves of God and the power of God. It used to be one of my little, my little, uh, my little uh, happy places. It would be uh, anytime we'd go to visit the family. You know, half my family is preachers. You know, I think I've told you that before. One half the family is outlaw, the other half of the family is preachers, and one or two of the preachers are outlaws and preachers. And I, I don't understand how all that works. But, uh, but uh, we would go to the families, and, uh, and I'd sit there at the kitchen table or in the living room or out on the porch, and I'd listen to my aunts and uncles and grandmas and I'd tell the stories of the moves of God and the power of God that they had personally experienced or witnessed, and my heart would burn within me. I want to see that kind of move of God again. I want to see that kind of power of God again. This thing cannot be dead. It cannot die on our watch. It cannot become this weak and ineffective and useless version of Christianity that is so predominant in our world today. We must receive power, church. But without power, we can do nothing. Without power, we can do nothing. The day of Pentecost is not uh, uh, simply a day to commemorate. It's a day to be reminded that the power has come in the person of the Holy Spirit. If we will get back where we want to be and where we need to be with God, that power will flow again. I, I have no doubt about that. The Holy Spirit has not changed. He cannot change. If He is God, and He is then He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Lord God and changes not. His power is not deficient today. His power has not weakened over the time and over the ages. His power has not diminished or decreased in any way. It's time to clean out the closets and the attics and the basements of our lives and, my, and remove anything that is hindering the power of God. Now I go, God is sovereign. And He chooses when He wants to move and where He wants to move. But I believe we can have some influence there. We, we, can't, just, we can't just decide up and decide, we're going, well, we're just going to have revival whether God wants to do something or not. It's not like that. But we can show God how serious we are, how hungry we are. We can call that power down again. For God hears and listens to our prayers. And when He sees the hunger in us, when He sees the willingness in us to make ourselves His instruments, I believe that power will flow again. Church, I'm telling you today, I don't know what else you're going to hear to me today or what else I'm going to say today, but hear this. Without the power of God, we are wasting our time. 
the church, <clears throat> and I'm trying, I'm trying in my old age, I'm trying to be less judgmental, less harsh. I, I, growing up as a young minister in the church, boy, I was, I was rough. I was rough on the church. I was a critic. And I fear I may have passed that down a little bit to my children. If I did, I apologize. The church is a wonderful thing. I, 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 I've spent too much of my life criticizing the church. The church is God's doing. It's not my doing. And God does what He wills and does as He chooses. And He doesn't need my permission or my opinion to run the church the way He wants to run it. So I offer this not as a criticism but as a mild challenge to us today, let us become less dependent on man's intuition and man's invention and man's program. And let's get back to depending exclusively and solely on the Spirit of God. That's all I'm trying to say. Too many times I believe we have substituted the best man can do for the best that God can do. Oh, hallelujah. The what is power. Power is everything. Without power, uh, we, 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 we couldn't get out of bed. I tell you, I've learned a little bit about uh, trying to get out of bed over the past few weeks. When your body is weak, you know, the mind is willing. The mind, the spirit, you know, I wake up in the morning, I'd, I'd feel good most, most mornings. I'd get up in the morning, I'd be like, I don't, know what, I don't know why people make such a big deal about this virus. Like, it's nothing. I can go to work. I can go outside. I can go do whatever I want. But boy, about 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, whew, I, I, I'd feel like one of, them, one of them batteries that's been in the drawer too long. Just everything's drained out of me. I, I, I just, I just I, I feel so weak. So, so helpless and useless, I, 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 couldn't even, I couldn't even talk. I just sit there in my chair and just, you know, pray for Jesus to come. Sometimes, sometimes that's all you can do, just sit there and pray for Jesus to come. Hallelujah. I tell you what, without, without power, we're nothing. You can have all the best ideas, and I praise God for these innovators and these these people that are leading and guiding the church today, they got some great ideas about how to do certain things and how to approach certain things and how to get the most people in the building and how to get the most impact in the community. And I thank God for those ideas. But without power, your mind can have all the best intentions. But if you don't have the power to carry it out, if you don't have the power to put it into play, if you don't have the power to make it work and make it effective, it's all a waste of time. And then we look at the when. The who is the Holy Spirit. The what is the power. The when is when He comes upon you. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus here is making a very clear distinction. He says, there are those who follow me and count themselves as my disciples, yet they need the power of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. This is not a matter of faith. You can believe in Jesus 
with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can love the Lord your God. You can do your best to follow him and be faithful to him. But there's certain things that only God can do. And you have got to have the humility. And you have got to have the understanding to know that without him, I can do nothing. That all of my good intentions and all of my good faith and all of my, my sincerest desires are, 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 are incomplete until he comes. Until he comes, I will remain in this weakened condition. Say, Pastor, are you saying you can't be a Christian without being filled with the Holy Ghost? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I don't think Jesus doubted the faith of his followers here. But he was telling them something. To fulfill the thing that you're called to do. You're not ready. You're not able. You're not going to be effective until he comes. When? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For years, I just use myself as the example number one. I was called to preach as best as, as my understanding of how callings work. I was called to preach when I was 11 years old. The call was repeated and renewed when I was 16. Made, I should say made, made more clear. It was clarified. I felt the call. But I didn't know what the call was for. And when I was 16, Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday, God spoke to my heart, spoke to the minister that day, and made very clear what his intentions were for me. But I had this fear. I had this fear. I grew up in a pastor's home. I was a preacher's kid. I knew, first thing I knew was I was not like my father. See, I thought <clears throat> I thought to be a preacher you had to be like there were two people I thought I had to be like one was my father and if not my father the other was Ray Hughes some of you don't know that name some of you do Ray Hughes was uh, he was uh, he was Mr. Camp Meeting I mean if your camp meeting had Ray Hughes in it it was going to be, it was going to be, what's the kid's term today? Off the hook? Yeah. Off the chain? It's going to be off of something. It's, it's going to be one of, it was going to be one of those, it was going to be one of those camp meetings you're going to be talking about 20 years later. He was, he was my vision of a Pentecostal preacher. And my father was what I thought a Pentecostal pastor was supposed to be. And I wasn't anything like either one of them. Not only that, I had some of my own ideas about what I wanted to do with my life, as we all do. You know, I had, a, I had, I had you know, my own thing I wanted to do. 
Mostly it involved cars and girls, but it was still my thing. Still my thing. And I was afraid. I knew I better not even try. I better not even attempt. I better not even open my mouth to teach a kindergarten Sunday school class. Unless I was serious. I, had a, I, I was not a very reverent teenager, but I had a reverence for ministry. I don't know if that makes sense to you. I knew it wasn't something to be played with. I, I, I knew that if I stepped into whatever calling or role it was going to be, a lot of things in my life were going to have to change and change immediately. And I knew a lot of things inside my own mind, my own heart, were going to have to change. And God was going to have to give me a... And I've told the story before, but I was very anti-church. Did not like church people. Thought you were all a bunch of hypocrites. That's what happens when you grow up in church sometimes, especially in a ministry family. You see some things and you hear some things and it scars you. You bear scars, you don't even know they're there. You know, and, 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 and nothing, nothing my parents ever said. My parents always, you know, very loving toward the church, but you can see with your own eyes. You can see with your own eyes. And so... I was a mess, an unholy mess in every permutation of that description. And I tell you what, the thing I feared most of all was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I knew that would mess me up, but good. I knew as long as I could walk that, you know, straddle around the edges. Just dip my toe in every once in a while, you know, go to church, look good on Easter, that kind of stuff. I, I could keep going the way I was going. But I knew if that Holy Ghost ever got a hold of me, I'd be, uh, I'd be messed up. So I was on guard. I had my shields up. Star Trek, right? Put shields up. I'd go to church. I'd go to I'd go to, uh, once in a while, go to church. Didn't go very often. And if anything, vaguely Holy Ghost started happening. Find a door. Find a door. Find, find somewhere to hide. Go in the back. Go, go. You, some of you, I, I, you, think, you think I don't know. I, don't, I know. I know what you do. I did it all before you got here. Hide, whatever. I'd bring a book to church just to have something to divert my attention. I, I had a plan. How many of you know that God don't care about your plans? Hallelujah. So God, in his infinite sense of humor and wisdom, said, all right, you're going to be like that. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send a girl. God doesn't play fair. Well, I was so busy over here watching, making sure he didn't sneak, making sure that Holy Ghost didn't sneak up on me. He sent a girl. A woman, uh, excuse me. I, I don't know where we are with all the woke stuff. I don't know how to, how to use things, how to use words. If girl offended you, I apologize. It wasn't intent. Sent a woman. And oh boy, did that mess me up but good. Because all this woman wanted to do was go to church. And she dragged me to revival after revival after revival. And I went because I wanted to be where she was. 
Amen. I'm being honest with you. I didn't care about the preacher. I didn't care about. I I didn't care about the revival. I didn't care. I just where she was. I wanted to be. Amen. And one of these revivals, she went down to the altar, and I thought, uh oh. If I'm not careful, this is about to get out of hand. And she's down there receiving the Holy Ghost. And I don't even remember stepping out of the pew. I don't even remember stepping out of the pew. But I'm on my way to the altar. And before I hit the ground, I tell you, God doesn't play fair, but he plays for keeps. And I came up out of that altar, saved again, sanctified again, full of the Holy Ghost again, full speaking in tongues, laying my hands on people, preaching, teaching, doing everything. I tell you something, this thing is real. When it gets off, when he comes upon you, everything changes. When he comes on the scene, when he comes in his power and in his glory, you'll never be the same again. I was one way before, a, a, a borderline Christian, if you will. But I was completely different after. That's the win. The win is when he shows up. The why, it says next, so that you can go out there and be a witness. The Holy Spirit isn't to make you shout and dance a little. You're not even there to make you speak in tongues. I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. That's the least of the gifts. It's, an, it, it's not the least in that it's insignificant. Every gift of God matters. Yeah. Don't ever misunderstand that. When somebody tells you the tongues is the least, don't take that as a, as, as a meaning unimportant. Anything that comes from God is of the utmost significance and importance has the greatest value. But tongues is an internal. It's a, it's a for you gift. But thank God for the for you gifts. But the Holy Spirit isn't only interested in the for you gifts. He's in the for them business. Pentecost is a harvest feast. And if you're not about the harvest, you've got the wrong spirit. I don't know what you got. But it's not the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, uh, He pours the love of God out in your heart. Uh, and you can't help yourself uh, but feel compassion and concern for everyone around you who is lost and dying and on their way to hell. When He comes upon you, the why becomes apparent. Because there's a world that is dying. And He is looking for laborers. He is looking for people to go. And take this glorious news of a resurrected Savior and the forgiveness of all sin and the impartation of righteousness and power to the whole world. And that's the where. That's the where. The why and the where are intimately connected. He said Judea, yes. He said Samaria, yes. He said Jerusalem, yes. He said, up to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's us. Yes. The where is everywhere. Yes. This is not this gift of Pentecost. It's not an in-church gift. Yes. Come on. Yes. If you're not at least 90% the Pentecostal you are out there, that you are in here, something's wrong. Yes. Amen. Yes. 
Because the power isn't about having great church services. Thank God for those. We need those. We come in here to be revived, to be renewed, to be restored. We come in here to be healed. We come in here to worship and give our praise and give our thanks. We come in here to renew our commitment to the service of God. We come in here to do so that when we leave this place, we are ready to be instruments of the Holy Spirit in a world that is quickly, quickly growing colder by the minute. We have seen a sea change. In this past, however long, what has it been, 18 months now? I don't even know how long this virus has been around, but we've seen, we've seen a sea change. A new age has dawned, at least here in the West. I'm not up to speed on everything going on everywhere else. I know the Spirit of God is moving all over the world. I've said this a hundred times, I'm going to say it a hundred times more. Every national crisis of the past, there's always been one response you could count on. Whether it was war, whether it was depression, recession, whether it was pandemic or plague, whatever it was, whatever national thing you could count on is people would turn to God. This is the first time in my lifetime and the first time I'm sure in yours that we have seen a national catastrophe and the call has not gone out to turn to God. And I don't know. I'm not blaming the church. I told you I'm going to be less critical of the church. I'm not blaming the church. I just know we need power. Because very, very, very if things persist this way, if things don't change, if the power of the Holy Ghost is not renewed in us and released again into our homes. So where's the where? The where begins in your own home. Begins with your own husbands and wives and mothers and fathers and sons and daughters. How many of you are still believing God to deliver a loved one? I'm in the Philippian jailer category. I believe God for my whole household. And I think household is an expansive term. I I think it just means blood. I think it means everyone I consider family. Everyone in my sphere of influence. That takes me to my job. That takes me to my neighborhood. That takes me to my circle of friends that I've had for years. I'm embarrassed to say I've been friends with some people for 30 years, and they're still not serving God. And I need, I need to look in the mirror and say, what kind of witness, what kind of influence are you really having? The where begins with us. It begins in our own home, but it doesn't stay there. The where has to go through every neighborhood, every street, every place of business, every school and university, every church. Come on. Just because I said I'm going to be less critical of the church doesn't mean I have to deny that there's a lot of churches that are missing a key ingredient. They're trying to do a work without the power. They're preaching a gospel, but it's a gospel of 
of form and it's a gospel of conformity and it's a it's a gospel of of, of pleasure and it's a gospel of, of of preference and a gospel of compromise and we need the Holy Spirit to get a hold of those bodies and their leaders. That where goes, yes, yes, in fact, it does go into our courts and into our halls of, uh, of power and politics. It goes there, too. Sometimes I think we get too caught up in that. But I tell you what, there needs to be a move of God in the Senates and in the House of Representatives and in the Supreme Courts and in the White Houses and the Governor's Mansions. And the where goes everywhere, beyond the borders. It goes down in the South and Central America. It goes across to Asia and Africa and Europe. He puts no limitation on the where. He says, wherever you are, wherever you go, the Holy Spirit must go with you. And the power of the Holy Spirit must be upon you. We come here today to celebrate, and I am here to celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit. But I don't want to look back without also taking the opportunity to look forward. If all this day becomes to us is a day of celebration, if all it means is we recount the glories of the past, then there's really no need for this day at all. But my prayer for you this morning, my prayer for Lighthouse, and my prayer for all of God's people today is another who. The first who was the Holy Spirit. But the second who is you. And me. You shall receive power. You shall be my witnesses. Everything else about Pentecost comes down to this. There's no question about the Holy Spirit, His fruit and gifts. God will do what God will do. No man can withstand that. There's no question about the church's role and mission and purpose for being in this world. So God, there's no denying our call to the harvest. It's as plain as the scriptures in front of you. The only question in the whole equation is you and me. Am I allowing the Holy Spirit full authority, full control? I have been baptized with the Holy Spirit since I was 19 years old. Praise God for that. But I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. I can't simply look back and say, well, 32 years ago, Lord, this happened in my life. I'm grateful I have that milestone, that, that marker I can look back at. You can't convince me otherwise. I was there. I know what happened. I remember the tongues coming out of my mouth and not having a clue what I was saying or knowing why I was saying it. I thank God for the standard I can uphold and look back on 
and say, I know where I was when the Holy Spirit came upon me. But something that happened 30 years ago is of no value unless it's a living reality in my life today. Yes, I am baptized with the Holy Spirit. But I pray earnestly, and my earnest desire is that today, this day, I might be filled with the Holy Ghost and with power. Filled with His love. Filled with His joy. Filled with His peace. Filled with hope. Filled with righteousness. Filled with faith. Filled. Yes, even with self-control. Gentleness and goodness and kindness. Let the Holy Ghost not only fall on me, but let the Holy Ghost fill me. So that my life is lost in His. And that what flows out of me is His doing. His words I speak. His will I carry out. Oh, I thank God for the gift of the Holy Ghost. But a gift unopened and unused. Last illustration and we'll close. Another thing you get to do when you're in COVID jail is you're sitting there in your room with all your stuff. And so to keep from going crazy... They keep from driving my wife crazy, which it might have already been too late at that point. I decided to rearrange all my furniture, pull out all my boxes, pull out all my books. Oh, you should see my little office now. It, ain't, it hasn't looked like that since, I, since we built it. I mean, it's organized. Pulled out all my, I had, I had two, I had all the way back to 2006 files. Yeah. I don't know how long you're supposed to keep stuff. I had seven, the IRS says ten years. Other people say seven years. So I, I had files. Pulled it all out, dumped it out all on the table, sorted it, went through it all, went through piles. And you know what I found? I found just found this. I think Friday in a box. I found this. Little little black box, like a jewelry box. Yeah. And I open it up, and inside that box is the prettiest, nicest watch. Yeah. Wow. Now, only one person in my life has ever bought me watches as an adult. That's my mother-in-law. Yeah. She's been gone for a while now, but I could always count on her. Maybe not every year, but every other year, she'd buy me a watch. I don't know why. See, I, I don't wear watches. But she was under the impression she would never see a watch on my wrist, so she always thought I needed a watch. And I had never had the heart to tell her that I don't wear watches because when I was working in a particular job, I had the job of running brush through a, a wood chipper, and anything on my hands would get caught in the brush and you know pull me through the wood chipper, and that wouldn't go well for anybody. So, I mean, I didn't even wear a wedding ring because my wedding ring got caught on a, on a piece of brush and, and almost took my finger off. And my, you can still see the dent in my wedding ring today. So I never wore them. But, but I opened this box, and I have not opened this box probably since the day she gave it to me. Wow. So that watch has been sitting in that box for a good 20 years. 
and I opened it up and I tried to wind it up and I couldn't get it to work. If you leave the gift dormant, if you shut the gift up, if you hide it away in some box, some corner, some dusty shelf, it's of no real value. Now, sentimentally to me, of course, I, I, I have very fond memories, but there's nothing I can do with it in the present because I neglected it for so long. Church, if you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's time to let it loose. Let it flow again. Let the power come again. Be filled again. Don't let the gift lie dormant. Let's stand together this morning. Thank God for Pentecost. Thank God for the advent of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Pentecostal renewal and revival. I don't have time to tell you about Azusa Street or Camp Creek or or any of the other great revivals of the past uh, century or so, but God has been moving and working again. There's revival right now in many places in the world, India, Pakistan, China, the continent of Africa, South America. God is moving, even in Europe. God is doing great things among certain cultural groups. I pray today that we, the church of Jesus Christ in this community, we would see a move of God again that fills that empowers, that delivers. Oh, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray over this congregation this morning, if there's even one here, God, who has not yet received the gift of the Holy Spirit, I pray that this day would be their day. That by faith they would realize that they are the you that Jesus was talking to. They are the one for whom he intended the gift to be given, that Jesus wants to bestow upon them his most precious favor, that God the Spirit wants to come and fill their heart, fill their mind, fill their soul and their spirit with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I pray for those of us today who've gone through dry seasons and wilderness journeys who've neglected the gift, who've put the gift away, who, 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 who think it's just a gift for an occasional church service. I pray today, God, we would be filled again and again and again and again so that every day we can go, we can do, we can share We can change the community around us. Fill us, O Holy Spirit of God. Let your vessels overflow today with new wine and fresh oil. Let the wine of the Holy Spirit fill us today, O God. Let there be an outpouring again. We know Pentecost was a once-for-all but there have been renewals and revivals and restorations, and we pray that one is here today, birthed in our hearts and minds and spirits. Oh, God, oh, Holy Spirit, we submit, we surrender, 
we call upon you. God the Spirit, we call upon you. Fill these vessels. Fill these vessels. Oh, Let your gifts and your fruit be abundant among us today, O oh God. Let the power of the Holy Spirit perform the work for which it was given. The purpose, let your purpose be fulfilled. We ask this in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Would you worship God? Would you thank God? Just thank Him for the Holy Spirit. Just thank It's a gift. And the most appropriate and proper way to respond to a gift is to say thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming into my heart, into my mind. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for sending your Spirit. Oh, God, we give you thanks. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. Let the power of God fall free on us this day. Renew in us, O oh God, this gift of your Holy Spirit. Father, we ask your mercy and your grace be with these families, God. Lord, they know, you know what it's like to lose one you love, your heart to be broken, your spirit to grieve. Lord, we pray for these that are grieving. You would encourage them. Remind them, God, that it's better on the other side, that where there is the presence of the Lord, there is peace and life eternally. So we ask you to bear them up. Watch over each one as they go about their business this week. Bring us back at the appointed times. We give you thanks for these needs being met and all others, God. And we give you thanks once again for this day and the gift of your spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless each of you. Greet one another in the name of our Lord. This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and on Wednesdays at 745 p.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org. Or if you're in the Broward County area, we would love for you to visit our church located at 1890 Southwest 31st Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida 33312. God bless you. Until next time, this is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.